0: Now, here's something that will absolutely blow your mind. Our faith, Christianity was, in a very real sense, the first technologically driven religion. My God, somebody just got angry right there. Welcome to the Clarence Stores Leadership Podcast. A podcast about becoming 1% better every day. And now your host, yours truly, Clarence Stores. Last year I launched the Clarence Stores Leadership Podcast. A podcast about becoming 1% better every day. This podcast focuses on inspiring and equipping highly motivated and creative people to take decisive action to level up in all areas of their lives. The goal is to help, to coach, and inspire people to get their best work so that the world can see. And I'm excited about this new series of podcasts that we've planned for you. And I'm calling it, What If They Don't Come Back to Our Buildings? Matter of fact, we've seen a massive shift towards online events like conferences, church services, Sometimes it's big groups like Sunday morning service, and sometimes it's smaller groups, mastermind groups. And even as people begin to meet in person again, it is clear. We're not going to see the end of of online events. Now, I'm excited about this series. And I want to let you know I've scheduled interviews with thought leaders regarding the church's life cycle uh, charting its decline which began pre-covid and as Carrie Newhoff says covid just accelerated the changes that need to be made and these changes forced us online and uh, we want to converse about that. We want to talk about that. During these interviews, I've also uh, talked about churches, new online and hybrid church metrics. We'll explain that momentarily. And uh, we also drilled down on why views are not the metric, not what we should solely measure and then I, we ended our interview chatting on what's next for the church and how pastors and church leaders can plan. And you're going to walk away with a few next steps regardless of where you are in ministry right now. And I can't wait for you to join us. <laughs> there's a guy, he's a pastor in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I really dig. I mean really dig. His name's Judah Smith. He's a megachurch pastor with multiple locations, but I'm intrigued by his newest location. He calls it the church home app. And for the record, I confess I'm a poor man's Judah Smith. He's inspired and influenced me a lot. And unlike traditional apps, offering messages and information and, and content, Church Home is, is different. Church Home Global features uh, tabs for forming online communities, uh, giving to global causes, And it also offers an opportunity for people to meet prior to service. The church world, we call that pre-service. Check this out. In a virtual lobby. It's next level. The app also has uh, prayer tabs where you can place two fingers on the screen to signal that you're praying for a specific request in real time. I told you all, brother loves me some Judah Smith. I confess, I'm a poor man's uh, Judah Smith. He's influenced me a lot. And I'll have a link to uh, the Church Home app in in the show notes for you to check it out. And uh, that brings me to a question. Recently, I had a conversation with a few colleagues, and of course the conversation morphed into technology and and how it's used. We transition from talking about in-person worship versus online worship and, and technology. Is it a blessing or is it a distraction? And I can tell you that was a a good conversation, a good healthy debate with both parties sharing their experiences and we're growing and learning from each other's conversation. Now these debates over how and and why to appropriate new technology, this is not new. The printing press, electricity, and the web have helped the gospel to spread internationally, yet many fear the internet in particular poses a threat to ministry. One critic asks, which button dispenses Holy Communion? There's a debate, and this debate is not going to be settled today, but we need to talk about it. We need to engage, it's a better word, in conversation that helps to further along the, the good news of Jesus. Now, technology can either excite the soul or frighten the conscience with this seemingly endless possibilities. Let's say that once again. Technology can either excite the soul, or frighten the conscience. And the goal of this series is to find the middle ground between embracing it and disregarding it. Because we need to understand what technology is and what it isn't. And then secondly, ask how the word compels us to to respond, and uh, I read this fascinating article from the Gospel Coalition. I'll have links to it in in the show notes, and the name of that article talks about the need of having a theology of technology, and why we need a theology of technology. And while reading the article, one fascinating aspect from the article that stood out talks about how technology is amoral. I like that. Technology is not the root of evil. Just as we can use money for both selfless and selfish ends, new ways to communicate and interact, have no moral value in and of themselves. Technology contains the potential energy for both hope and horror. That's what the article says. Technology contains the potential energy for both hope and horror. And it also advances often to Provide conveniences. That's why we like technology. You always hear uh, those who've gone before us talk about the good old days. Well, uh, I'm glad technology allows us the opportunity to use the restroom inside as opposed to using an outhouse. Thank God for technology that brought plumbing in inside. I thank God for technology because living in the Chicagoland area in the dead of winter, December and January, I don't want to be in front of my car turning a crank, trying to crank it up. So technology provides convenience. Technology advances to provide at least three types of conveniences. First and foremost, this article says that technology makes commerce convenient. I love it. Matter of fact, Gary Newhoff says that we live in a slipstream of physical and digital. I remember, check this out, I remember... I would see something online, Best Buy or at the Apple store. So I'll pull out my phone, research what I'm looking for, find it, hit the buy button, go to my online cart, and they give me the option to pick it up in a time within a time frame or ship it to my location, and I always choose to go pick it up because I live less than three miles from the Apple store. That's not good. <laughs> and that's the slipstream that, that he talks about, where we can begin a process online and then conclude that process in person And technology makes it convenient. It makes commerce convenient. And uh, it also gives the opportunity to reduce uh, the barriers to entry, increase competition, and help the overall consumer enjoy a better quality of life. But the corollary to that is because of the convenience of technology, It can also displace workers, result in fraud. Technology makes commerce convenient. In addition to that, technology makes commuting convenient. Automobile and air travel shrink the world. People are able to visit long-distance relatives, oversee projects across the oceans and explore creation in unprecedented ways but the opposite side of that it also advances in the travel to enable sex trafficking horrific auto and airline accidents and increase pollution so there are some challenges that come with with technology making commuting Convenient. Not only does technology make commerce and commuting convenient, thirdly, technology makes communication convenient. Facebook recently introduced Portal, a new video messaging system with Amazon's Alexa built into it. The tagline says If you can't be there, Feel there. I love that, man. If you can't be there, feel there. This epitomizes the hope that human intimacy will increase as technology increases. This is the underlying hope of what church home, my man, Judah Smith, is all about. But if feeling there is so easy, will people be less motivated to show up when they can? Technology's potential energy can't stay potential forever. Are you ready to have your your mind blown? Now, I want you to find a spot and sit down, grab your favorite beverage, and I want you to to entertain this thought. Now, stay with me. It's about to get rocky for a moment, but I guarantee you it'll be worth the listen. Honestly, I, I don't understand why most pastors and church leaders do not leverage technology for the glory of God pastors, church leaders, and faithful church attendees who see social networking sites like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, as evil, man, they're they're missing. They're missing a great opportunity to reach people who are far away from God. Now, here's something that will absolutely blow your mind. All faith, Christianity was, in a very real sense, the first technologically driven religion. My God, somebody just got angry right there. Are you intrigued? I hope you're not angry. And perhaps you might feel a little frustration. So let me, let me drill deeper. And as I say on my live streams, lean in. Galilee, Bethlehem and the rest of Palestine were part of the Roman world. Stick a pin right there. Whose technological underpinnings had reached a level by Jesus's day that was not surpassed until the 19th century. Check this out. The Roman's roads. No, I'm not talking about the the plan of salvation that we learned in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. No, 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 no. The physical, actual roads that the Apostle Paul and his associates traveled to spread the faith were unprecedented marvels of engineering. Without the ingeniously constructed roads that led from the streets where Jesus had walked to the cities of Syria and Greece, Christianity, our faith might have remained another obscure Judean sect like those that fill the pages and the accounts by the Jewish historian Josephus. Now, are you sitting down? Because I want you to catch this as we, we wrestle with having a theology for technology. Are you ready? Those roads were technological marvels, you all. The original information superhighway. <laughs> if Jesus, his disciples, or the Apostle Paul were here today, I, 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 I can almost promise you that they would use The technology of today, because of its convenience, to reach people who are far away from God. And and I can imagine Paul, if he were here today, whipping out his MacBook Pro, updating his Facebook status, Instagram status, LinkedIn status, TikTok, all simultaneously because there's technology to do that, to write these words. Though I am free, and belong to no one, I've made myself a servant to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not a under the law so as to win those under the law to those having not having the law I became like one not having the law though I am not free from God's law but I am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law to the weak I became weak to win the weak I have become all things to all people that by all possible means to save some I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Could you imagine how many likes Paul would have received? How many comments in the comment section he would have received? Or how many conversations he would have engaged in from those commenting? I tell you, man, pastors and church leaders. If you're not using Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever is your flavor of the month, or any other social media forms, you're missing a God-sized and God-ordained opportunity to reach people for God. since technology is amoral and we are conversing about having a theology of technology, how do we use technology morally? What's the spiritual foundation so that it's done in a way that honors Jesus? Romans six and 13 admonishes all believers to present their members, every single part of themselves, no longer to sin but to God. So as technology and its usage becomes an extension of oneself, no doubt we need a theology of technology. And since technology is a moral like money, but as soon as we use it, we are either Honoring the kingdom or hindering the kingdom. We're either worshiping God or worshiping ourselves. We need an ecclesiological response to virtual reality, man, and we need it right now. Because live streaming worship services, for an example, may be a blessing for lonely missionaries, but it may also be a curse for the parents who fail to awaken their kids, then introduce a headset as a substitute for community. So whose interests do we have in mind when we in our churches make technology-related decisions? And the article concludes by giving Three helpful guidelines in forming a theology of technology. Are y'all ready for this? We prioritize compassion over convenience. Here's a question to to ponder Does your church's use of technology amplify empathy and action for the widow, the orphan, those who are alone, those who are lonely? Pastors, do you release a sermon because you want to leave a legacy or because your heart aches for the sick and the shut-in? While technology is incredible, it's an incredible means to deliver the word both locally and globally, we would do well to focus on being the hands and feet of Christ to the hurting rather than merely the video and audio to the healthy. That's rich. So we prioritize compassion over convenience. And then secondly, we prioritize presence over proximity. If Christ himself reckons it a priority to be among his people, then we must also prioritize presence Matthew 18 and 20, 28 and 20. So, Pastor, are are your people reading your posts and listening to your sermons because they are part of your church or because they want to feel included without covenant commitment? Is your church's use of social media encouraging people to participate in Bible studies, worship gatherings, small group connections, times of fellowship. Why are you promoting posts in order to increase attendance and revenue streams? Intimacy best forms face to face. That's a that's a no brainer. That's been proven. It's far easier to hide our brokenness and shame behind a messaging app than across the dinner table. We want to look people in the eye now because we want them to look at Jesus and look like him. So we prioritize presence over proximity, compassion over convenience, and then finally, we prioritize community over content. Once heard of a pastor who relegated communion to once a quarter at the less attended evening service because he felt called to prioritize his his TV ministry. He was more concerned with his Sunday sermons being on the local station than he was with a unified people receiving the sign and seal of Christ's death and promise of his return. Christ promises to build his church and deliver her to himself in splendor, Matthew 6 and 18. Not to deliver the perfect sermon or series, so let's take him at his word And invest in one another. I want you to think about something as I conclude. Convenience, proximity, and content are good things that can help lead souls to justification and sanctification. But there is no artificial substitute for compassion, presence, and community. The priorities of Jesus must be the priorities of his church. My goodness, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I can't wait to hear your feedback. You've been listening to the Clarence Stores Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on becoming 1% better each day and leveling up in all areas of life. What a phenomenal episode. And my hope is that you heard something inspiring, something creative, something that helped you push the pause button and reflect. Are you enjoying the Clarence Stores Leadership Podcast? If so, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. As a matter of fact, make sure you let everyone know. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave a review. It helps the podcast grow. Thank you. You've been listening to the Clarence Stores Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on becoming 1% better each day and leveling up in all areas of life.